Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. Christy completed her Bachelor's of Human Kinetics and Master's of Physical Therapy at the University of British Columbia and continues to take courses to further her professional skills. Um, Most of her training includes uh, manual therapy, orthopedic division, functioning dry needling. Okay, I'm just saying, it hurts when you... (laughs) I'm totally wrecking my own introduction, but... I've been dry needled before. (laughs) Me too. And it should be like dry pain needling or something like that. Anyway, you also have completed a course in Pilates and has done additional training in the fields of pelvic health. Christy joined the team at Diane Lee and Associates, a clinic in Vancouver, and specifically in the South Surrey area, and offers a functional whole body approach to understand how certain problems in the body can impact other areas of the body. So I want to welcome you, Christy. Thank you for coming on the show. I am so excited to have this conversation. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so thankful that you invited me on as well. Well, it all started because, you know, (laughs) you've been treating my pelvis. That's right. Yes. And, you know, I came in and originally I saw Kathy, another colleague of yours for a knee injury that had happened. And she said to me, you know, it doesn't seem like your pelvis is right. And I was like, really? Yeah. And so before I treat you further for your knee, I need to send you over to the pelvic floor. And I have to tell you, you know, the first day I was, I almost cried. I was just, it was incredible. So 10 years ago, I had our daughter and my pelvis was very troubled at that point. And she being my fourth child, 
Um, you know, I had some pain and some problems while I was pregnant. And then of course went into labor and I did not vaginally deliver the baby. She was my very first cesarean section after having three additional children. So you looked at my pelvis and said, okay, so what seems to be going on? And I'm like, well, shame. (laughs) I felt shame. I felt like I remember saying to you, I don't really want to tell you that, you know, I, I have a hemorrhoid that I feel like, um, I'm like, I'm constipated. I have problem having bowel movements. I don't know what's wrong with me. Sometimes I think, well, if I, maybe I have cancer, maybe I have something crazy. And, and you said, well, let's just start you on with an ultrasound, which was really, really cool. Let's walk through our, our encounter and why you do what you do. And maybe you could introduce us to why you on the very first visit would do an ultrasound with someone like myself. Absolutely. Yes, Lori. So typically when someone comes in the door, the first thing that I will ask is what's your story? What's your, what's your meaningful complaint is how we phrase it. And the goal of that question is really to find out what is the most important thing to you as the patient. And that helps me to really guide and direct my assessment and treatment. So for you, there was something going on with your rectum. You know, you were feeling some difficulty with bowel movements. There was something not right. And of course, when it comes to that area of the body, we don't want to talk about that. No, I felt incredible shame about it. I was like, I, is it wrong that I, I named my hemorrhoids Hemi and Royd? Awesome. I love that. Well, I had to make it funny and I had to make Mm -hmm. it feel like it wasn't um, embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And these are the types of things that we just hide and then we worry about them. Like, oh, what is that? Is that cancer? Is that a lump? You know what? What is that? Rather than really just saying, you know, let, let me go talk to a health professional about it. And good for you and good for all of the women that I see to just open up and be able to say, when I ask, hey, like, how is it when you have a bowel movement? How is that for you? And I think that those are the most interesting conversations because what is normal? You know, we don't really talk about stool quality and, you know, how is your bowel movement? How frequent are they? And these are really important things in terms of your health. So those are some of the most challenging conversations for people. But, you know, I think it really tells us a lot about what's going on with someone. And so for you, Lori, you were noticing, we talked about what was happening when you were having a bowel movement and you were feeling like it was incomplete voiding, right? Yeah. Sometimes you would have a little bit left over and even that telling someone, oh my gosh, it's strange when I have a bowel movement and being open about that is so important. So we discovered with you that there was a little bit of a weakening of the back wall of the vagina, and we call that a rectocele. And it's a type of pelvic organ prolapse, but again, that's a scary word. And a lot of people are just terrified when we talk about that. And I think the importance of us having this conversation is to really 
kind of normalize that topic and say, wow, you know, 50% of the women who have had children have some degree of pelvic organ prolapse. So if you're in the line at Starbucks, count the women, about half of them have some degree of asymptomatic or symptomatic pelvic organ prolapse. And that's huge. So it's not that, you know, you're just alone. And it can be varying degrees. And it can be something that you've just totally normalized. You know, I think it's normal that I pee when I laugh, you know? And I think we kind of talk about that and joke about that a little bit. But there's always that seriousness underneath that, that, wow, you know, is that really wrong And is that damaging to my bladder? Is that going to get worse as I get older? So there's a lot of these conversations that we really should just start talking about so that we can start to troubleshoot and help people feel better. Well, and, and the thing about when you, when you, when you jump on a trampoline or you cough Mm -hmm. or you laugh and then you pee, Mm -hmm. it's like, as a woman, you go, how mortifying Yes. How embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you have a, if you have, I said to you, well, you know, if I'm at the dinner party and I, and I have lots of liquid and then if I'm going to get up to go to the washroom, I better get there. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's, if, if the bladder's too full, I've never peed my pants. Mm-hmm. I mean, where's some wood that I can knock on because I haven't done that. <laughs> but but I but I feel close to it sometimes. And it's just this thing where I go, I'm weak. Like I'm you know, it it's a weakening. You you don't feel strong. You're you don't feel strong. So and then that's that's the next level is another question behind that that goes, well, what's wrong with me? I mean, everybody pees. You talk to all the women that go, oh my gosh, you totally pee. I can't jump on a trampoline. And yeah. you said to me, that's not normal. And I'm going to mm-hmm. help you with that. And I said, you mean to tell me that I'll jump on a trampoline and not pee my pants? And you said, yes. Mm-hmm. 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 I was like, What? Yes. And there's, and there's a lot that goes into that too, Lori. And it's, you know, that's a really good point to bring up because sometimes we think it's all about strength and, oh, I'm not, I'm just not strong enough. And this is something that I'm always going to deal with. And the fact of the matter is that everyone's body is so unique. And so what I find is that it's not always a concept of just Uh, being strong or weak sometimes it's the strategy of how we do the movement sometimes it's our posture sometimes it's muscle imbalances and those are the really interesting things to see so as you come in as a new patient you know I, I pee when I jump on a trampoline okay like let's let's dive into that let's look at your standing posture let's see what happens when you bend your knees what's your breath doing what's your diaphragm doing What are your oblique muscles doing? What's the fascial integrity of your pelvic floor? Can you actually recruit those muscles? You know, where is your uterus? Where is your bladder? And then you were asking about the ultrasound. So when we bring ultrasound in is when we're interested in what's happening in the abdominal wall. So postpartum and basically women are postpartum once they've had a baby. So when does that end, right? (laughs) So when this magical time that we're <laughs> it needs to be really like right? endless postpartum because 
(laughs) Exactly. And so what does that actually mean? Well, we just know that when you're pregnant, that poses a lot of challenges for your body in terms of being able to deal with force and load and how you manage that in everyday tasks. So imagine that your belly has been stretched, your core, in quotation marks, muscles are not working effectively, and maybe you've had a vaginal delivery, maybe you've had a C-section, maybe you've had a little bit of tearing or stretching of the muscles and fascia in your pelvic floor. And you're asking me to imagine this because I think it's happened. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Imagine if you will. Your stomach stretches. <laughs> no, nope, okay, it doesn't matter. One time, maybe four times, right? Maybe four times. So, and then we try to imagine you holding up this body in space and being able to counteract the force of gravity, picking up a baby, picking up groceries. You know, you've got a backpack, you've got a baby, you've got, you know, a grocery bag. So no wonder women are suffering and leaking postpartum because the demands that we're placing on this tissue is oftentimes our body is struggling to deal with that optimally. So our job is to sort of look at the body and figure out what muscles are too tight, what muscles are not tight enough, how can we work with you um, in terms of your breathing strategy or posture the muscles that you're recruiting so that when you go jump on the trampoline, um, you know, we're going to be more successful and not have that fear or avoidance that, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, I have to run to the washroom as soon as I get to the supermarket because what if I, you know, can't get there? And those are the really things that are really hard to hear when women start to open up and really talk about the impact that this has on our lives. It's really, yeah, it's really, really, you know, it's tough to hear, but at the same time, it's hopeful because then we're getting down to what we need to work on. Well, and the other piece of what you're saying too is, you know, all this happens, but as women and in our society, we do not rest after having babies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like my right. girlfriend, my best friend, Jeannie, she, she, I believe with her last child, she took like two weeks and they, they wrapped her and they bound her. Like she was thinking about her body after she had a baby. And you know, that was 13 years ago with her last child. I, on the other hand, what, what was I going to do? My husband was working. My family, my mothers came in, but they didn't come in like and spend like the day in the evening. And they did so much because I'd never had a cesarean before, but About two weeks after that, I was carrying the baby. I was going. It was painful, but I did it. I managed. And I know there are so many women out there who they don't rest. We don't rest. Mm -hmm. So then no wonder why our pelvic floor or some of those muscles or our bladder drops in, you know, because we, we haven't had the opportunity to rest our bodies and let things just sort of start to settle. Yeah. Oh, no, I totally agree with that. And I think a lot of times we don't really think about that or maybe we don't. I personally did not. Even with my background, you know, I thought I also had a cesarean. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't really think about the fact that my tissue 
would feel terrible if it was under gravity for any amount of time. Like I really under didn't put gravity. that together. <laughs> yeah, it's just standing alone was just horrendous for a while. And then you're always in that position. Yeah. We are always sitting and we're holding, especially yes. in those first those first months. You're holding, you're holding. And so then there's this twisting and you're putting a lot of pressure on your rectum. You're putting a lot of pressure and gravity is always like dropping right into the perineum and right into those spots. My perineum was so sore for a year. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, whatever that thing is between my vagina and my rectum, that's sore. (laughs) Yes. And yeah, that's a really good way to put it, Lori, because that's the true physical experience of your pelvic floor feeling lengthened. Um, I don't want to say weak, but certainly lengthened and, you know, certainly the effects of gravity and that pressure system that we like to talk about you know, with the the diaphragm and the abdominal muscles. And just that a lot of women tend to be fairly strong abdominally. And then you add three vaginal deliveries in a C-section on top of your pelvic floor. And then we kind of wonder about that force coupling between the strength of the abdominals and maybe the relative weakness or decreased fascial integrity of the pelvic floor. And no wonder we feel like things are falling out of the bottom. And so, you know, I think when women start to feel those symptoms, A, they don't always know what that is. Yes. And that can be really scary. And so just talking about, hey, wow, you're postpartum, you've got a new baby, maybe you have older children as well. You know, what is feasible for you? How can we make this work with your lifestyle? Because we also don't want to stress women out and say, well, you need to lie down on your back and put your feet up because, you know, that just doesn't work, right? It doesn't work all the time. So finding out, hey, do you have some support? Is there a way that we can prioritize this even for five minutes just to, you know, do these one, two exercises? Do you even have time for two exercises? Maybe we just talk about how you stand and how you breathe so that we can really integrate it and we start helping women to feel like they have control and power and they can actually do something about it. I love that. I love how you talk. That's, <laughs> and that's, that's what is so, it's just drawing me to you. I'm like, oh yeah, because you have this way about you that um, you've experienced this yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You being a mom. And, um, and then you, of course, have seen so many women who, and you, it just comes across like you really care And you have a lot of knowledge about this as well. So can we, you touched on something uh, a while back and I just want to bring it back out. Uh, You talked about stool quality. Mm -hmm. Can we just talk about that before we talk about um, uh, the ultrasound and what you look for and how you see things and then how we, and then we'll move on from there. But I think people need to know that, Um, not all poo is created equal. (laughs) Good. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So stool quality is a really important indicator of how our body is processing the food that we eat and our 
GI motility, and it also gives you a sense of how you're able to empty. Okay. So for yeah, so it's, it's actually really important. So it's one of the things that we start talking about right away. And if you Google Bristol stool scale, you will get a little chart of all the different types of stool quality. And it's, it's actually really funny. The first time I looked at this was when I was working in an inpatient medical unit in Vancouver. And the Bristol stool scale was just up on the wall. And it was just kind of accepted that we need to know how people are pooing. And it started to become more normal. And I thought, oh, you know, when a baby is first born, all anyone cares about is what they're poo doing. And then we just lose it. You know, somewhere in life, it becomes not, it's, it's not okay to talk about it. So it becomes embarrassing or whatever. It's embarrassing. And it's just really the way we excrete things that we put in our body. It's not that big of a deal. So, you know, optimally, we're looking for this nice soft serve consistency stool, which means that we have enough water and fiber in our diet so that um, the food can move through our GI tract and it's easy to pass. So this is a big one. Like your stool should be easy to pass. You shouldn't have to strain or bear down or do really anything other than when you get the urge, you go sit on the toilet and you do your thing. So, so that's for me, the, uh, one of my complaints when I came to you, what is it? Mindful complaining? What, what, what did you say it was? Oh, meaningful complaint. Me- <laughs> yes. Well, my meaningful complaint about my stool was that I would, after Saley's birth, when I would have to evacuate, I would have to tip forward. And then I tip back and then tip forward and then tip back again. And you said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, and the reason why I said that is, wow, how intuitive of you and knowing your body and knowing the position that's more optimal for you to be able to relax your pelvic floor and to let your stool come out because you now had to kind of figure out how to do this differently in order to make it easier on you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we all, and so for our listeners out there, um, that is a real key when you know your body and you begin to understand. Um, and even if you don't know your body and you're feeling like this, this might not be the right movement Mm -hmm. or this, if this is, if I'm pushing or straining, I need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. that's essential. And you, and I just went to different people until I found the right person. Oh, that's so good to hear. That's so good to hear. And you know, Lori, I think it's, you know, we're sometimes so afraid to talk about it, but sometimes it's such a easy and quick solution. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just playing around with increasing water intake. Yeah. Sometimes it's really just listening to the urge and going right away because what can happen if our stool just sort of sits in our rectum, if, if it's too hard, then people have trouble avoiding that. And that gets to be when you have to push or strain and that's, you get up, end up with hemorrhoids and really trying to evacuate that stool when it's hard and compressed and compact. So one thing to be watching for is for, if you're taking care of your pelvic floor health, your stool is one of the first signs. Yeah, I think stool quality for anyone is important. 
um, regardless if you're concerned about your pelvic health, but sure. it's definitely one of my top five questions. Okay. How are your bowel movements? Yep. Do you go regularly? Do you have to strain or bear down? Do you ever feel like you can't completely empty your bowel? Like there's something maybe left in there? Because if you just say to someone, is your bowel movements normal? Are they normal? Oh yeah, no, yeah, totally normal. No one wants to talk about that. So you really need to probe and find out, hey, what's actually going on? What's the stool consistency? And I will say, I will bring out examples until we find out what exactly it is. Or show the stool scale. Yeah, yeah. And then you get a sense. Yeah, that's really easy to do. So then after that question and and that process, then you said to me, okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to get you to lay on the table and I'm going to bring in an um um ultrasound. Yeah. And so just kind of on wheels and you came over and you said, "Okay, let's just take a look." And you had me do things that I was just really it was interesting. So you said, "So squeeze your rectum." And when I squeezed it, I could see it on the, on the ultrasound screen. And then you were able to see uh, what was going on inside when I squeezed my rectum or when I, my favorite was you. Oh, yes. Yes. I remember now. <laughs> You're like, squeeze your rectum. And it was like this. Okay, listeners, it was exactly like this. I kid you not. All right, so squeeze your rectum. Very good. Okay, now, now, now contract your vagina. Now squeeze like you're doing a, um, you're pulling it up. Okay, good. Now nod your clitoris. <laughs> I was like, my clitoris nods? Are you kidding? <laughs> I didn't know I did that. And then I had to literally sit there and go, I think I'm nodding my clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I love the cues. I love the cues, and it's good to get a little laugh in too, oh, right? Of course. We're just not really aware of this whole area. Some sometimes for people, this is just like a dead zone or a black box, and we don't look and we don't activate and we don't think about what those muscles do. But I love that you said that. It is a black zone. It's like a dead spot where people go, okay, well, that's just, that's there. (laughs) (laughs) That's there. That's there. This is here, (laughs) but that's there. And, and I've even associated, like I actually had a thought today. I thought, well, I think I'm pretty. Like I, I think I'm, you know, magnanimous. I'm a charismatic. I'm, 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 I'm I'm a little, I'm pretty. But then if I'm talking about my rectum, that's like ugly. And Mm. I just had that thought and I thought, well, I'm letting it all hang out there today. So we might as well talk about that because for a lot of people, we, we think, well, if I tell someone I have a hemorrhoid, that they're going to think like, it's going to take away from who I am. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that our thoughts are Mm -hmm. so strange. Mm -hmm. This is our body. We have to be good stewards of our body and take care of it in its totality. And what you are saying today is this isn't a dead zone. And if it is a dead zone for you, then allow yourself to just hear 
the message in what we're saying, which is you are important, your body's important, and we need to choose ourselves. And in this episode, on this show, we give everyone permission to choose themselves and come as you are into the situation because um, it matters. And so back to the squeezing the rectum and nodding the clitoris and, yes. and, and what you saw was a little bit of a bladder during some of my birth, my births, I would imagine. And then just with the recovery in me, not understanding and not knowing about pelvic health, my bladder dipped in to the vaginal wall, which I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. anatomy of the pelvis is what? Right. So that's a really good question. So the, the ring of the pelvis, the bony ring of the pelvis okay. is made up of a couple of different bones, but you could just imagine it kind of like a salad bowl yeah. with no bottom or like a ring. Let's okay. call it a ring. Okay. So the bony part of the pelvis is made up of this ring. But all the way along the bottom part of that ring, so imagine now your salad bowl, the okay. part the part that makes up the bottom, yeah. that's all connective tissue, fascia, muscles. So you can imagine how important it is to take care of these muscles because they've got such a huge function in terms of supporting your organs, allowing um, for intercourse, birthing babies, uh, evacuating stool and, and your bladder. And they also have a closing function, right? They have to maintain your continence and hold everything in and shut off the urethra. And, and really under gravity, they're just sort of acting as a little bit of a hammock almost. Okay. So, so that's really what we're looking at in the pelvis. And so when we see it on the ultrasound, it's really neat and such a, such an awesome teaching tool where someone can see, oh, wow, there's my rectum, there's my my uterus, there's my muscles contracting, and this is the trajectory that it's going, and what does that mean? Yeah. So for you, um, like you pointed out there, Lori, you had a cystocele, which is just that the bladder is sitting down a little bit further into the top part of the vaginal wall. So it's basically just a weakening of the top part of the vaginal wall so that the bladder, which just sits on the other side of that, yeah. is just going to sit down a little lower, like it's, you know, sitting lower in a hammock. And that puts pressure that causes, like, as you move in that you're in a, in gravity bears down, it does tend to, you, you feel it. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting, Lori, is that some women are very symptomatic and some are not. So for you, for example, you had no idea that there was this little bit of bladder just sinking down a little bit. And so what I think is important is just to say to to you as the patient, okay, this is happening. Um, You know, you're not noticing it right now. It's it's maybe not a big deal for you in, in terms of what's happening with your pelvic floor. But just as an FYI, you know, later, if you start to notice differences with your urination, if you're starting to notice that you have to pee more frequently or your stream is changing, those are symptoms that could indicate your cystocele is becoming more symptomatic. And at that point, then we would sort of investigate that more. But it can be totally fine to have a bit of a cystocele and a rectocele and for a patient not even to notice that. Hmm. 
So it's really more how it impacts you. Okay. And so then you also notice, like you said, so this would be the bladder, here's the vagina, and then here's the rectum underneath. Yes. 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 So, um, and then, so the bladder was pushing a little bit on the top of leaning into the vagina, but the rectum was also leaning in to the vagina. Now, this is where I think as women, we, this is where this whole, all the wheels fall off because I've heard stories, you know, one after another, when I've been talking to people about going and seeing you, people saying to me, I need to insert my, my, my hand, my fingers into my vagina when I'm having a bowel elimination, because, uh, I, there's no other way to do it. And other people are like, I mean, I don't have that, but uh, like, it's what I have is tough enough, you know? (laughs) So I'm like, you know, it's really interesting. And if we can just begin to give ourselves that permission to say, okay, like, it's okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's validation. This is a validating show for people to know you're not alone Mm -hmm. and you might feel embarrassed, but guess what? Um, There are health professionals that can totally help you. So with the rectum, that was pushing up into my vagina. And then what was happening? Yeah. So, so what was happening there? So the back wall of the vagina had been a little bit more stretched or lengthened so that when contents come into the rectum, then those contents will often bulge into the back wall of the vagina. So that, that specifically is called a rectocele. And then what you're talking about with inserting the fingers vaginally and then just pushing back down on that bulge is called splinting. And that helps you to have a more complete bowel movement by just allowing, giving, giving that back wall of the vagina a little bit more support so that, so that the stool can actually come out properly. And if you ever saw someone with that, a a patient that had what you just mentioned, then you would give them exercises or there might be something that they could insert that would give them the support on the back wall um, so that they could begin to naturally and strengthen the rectum to flow um, naturally. Is that? Yeah. So it's interesting with rectoceles because the most important thing there is, well, always coming back to stool quality. Right. So if your stool is hard, you can imagine it coming into the rectum and then really impacting and taking up that space that um, the, the back part of the vaginal wall is stretched. So it's really going to come in there and kind of stay there and be pocketed. So if the stool is soft, then it flows out more easily. Okay. It comes up more easily, less worrying about splinting. And splinting is typically just with your fingers. You don't really need to use anything, any additional instrument. Okay. Um, but then it would be sort of working on toileting position. Um, can you get your hips open? Can you get your back long? Is your tailbone open so that the muscles of the pelvic floor can open and the rectum can open to allow you to relax and have a bowel movement? So the pelvic floor is so interesting where a lot of times people actually need to relax and work on muscle tension releasing muscle tension in order to be better, where sometimes you need to strengthen, but the relaxing part is, is often overlooked. Oh, is that right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We'll get there. (laughs) So, so, so that was the rectocele. Um, 
And we were also, we talked about ultrasound a little bit and I did want to go back to that. So typically when we're doing an ultrasound, you know, someone's telling me something that, you know, I really need to investigate what's actually happening. I want to know what their contraction is. I want to know maybe where their organs are sitting. Um, Oftentimes postpartum, we're looking at a diastasis. So we're looking at the recruitment strategy of their abdominal wall. And that's all encompassed in looking at the whole person, their posture, their body mechanics, what's their alignment. Um, So it's just one piece, but it can be a really powerful one. And it's really nice for the patient to see what's happening inside. Well, it was really uh, important for me to see that. Uh, I had not, I mean, I've seen ultrasounds before, but, you know, uh, with a child in there. And this was just more about the beginning for me where I went, oh my goodness, I chose myself today. I came Mm -hmm. to you. I see this and I'm taking care of this. That was my first step. And, you know, um, and the way that you conduct yourself um, professionally is, is, I think, part of the experience for me. Um, because watching you were very descriptive and showing me, you know, this is this and here's what that is. And, and this is, but don't worry about that. That's, you know, that's going to be okay. And nothing yeah. to worry here, you know. And then, of course, we move in to then you had me get up off the table and you said, okay, now I'm going to look at your body. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow. And then we began the discussion and, you know, Mm -hmm. okay, so your, your left hip throws forward and he, and, and then this happens and this. So it's not about just having a baby. It's about the whole life story of when you were a kid and you ran and you jumped off your grandfather's garage and you thought you were superhuman. We used to do that. We used to like run and jump off and land on like 10 feet onto the grass and roll. And, and uh, it's those moments where you might have, you know, done something to your body. And then of course, you know, we're harder on ourselves as we get older and we're not eating maybe as well. And then you've got all these things that work together to create a, a whole, to create a story. And for mm-hmm. me, I said to you, well, part of my story is that, you know, a year and a half ago, I was, I was slalom water skiing and I dropped my ski and I went to put it in the back and my toe picked the water. It torqued my leg and I had you know, this huge knee thing. And you said, okay, Mm -hmm. so you began to identify that. And you also confirmed that, you know, this accident, if your pelvis was a little bit more, if your core was a little more stable, you probably wouldn't hurt yourself as bad. And, and again, it moved me back to self-care. It moved me back to being a busy woman with four kids Mm -hmm. and doing all those things. But, you know, the body doesn't lie. Yeah. The body tells the story and it's the person that looks at it and goes, okay, this I'm piecing this puzzle together. And you did that very well. And so in conjunction with us looking at the pelvic floor, we're Mm -hmm. also looking at, you know, your glutes that are tight, your hamstrings and how the body pulls and moves um, as we, you know, do the small movements um, that happen every day. 
Absolutely. And that can sound like a lot, Lori, but actually we can make that really specific based on what most important to you. So for you, for example, if it was a bowel movement, okay, we want to see how you're sitting on the toilet. Yep. You know, let's see you do a squat. And this is all... Exactly. Yeah. And this is all based off of um, Diane Lee's integrated systems model, which is, we didn't talk about that in the intro, but that's a big part of the training that I've done at this clinic that I'm currently at. And um, that's the whole body approach, looking at rotations and translations and integrating into a meaningful task. And that whole systems approach is the Diane Lee um um, her integrated systems model, which is awesome. Really. Yeah. Because, and I, and I, and I appreciate Diane Lee for, she created that. That's her model. And I love that. And that's a lot of her research and her hard work and her dedication, but what she's doing there has completely impacted my life. And so if she's taught you that, and if you've learned that, then she has impacted me. And, Mm -hmm. and I know she's impacting others because the whole body approach mm-hmm. is, I cannot say enough. Like you said, okay, so if you're having a bowel movement problem, which you did say to me, then how do you squat? And mm-hmm. when you saw me squat and I said, ah, tender on the knee, you know, all these, you were like, okay, so what if I did this to you and you mm-hmm. moved me now squat? And I was like, I heard the angels <laughs> singing. I was like, oh, 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 oh my gosh. <laughs> Yes. Right. Amazing. It's so yeah. weird. And then you, you get a glimpse into seeing what pelvic floor feels like mm-hmm. if it's back in the right spot or, you know what I mean? If it has the right stability in different places. Um, so after that, then mm-hmm. you said, may I do an internal? And mm-hmm. of course I said, yes. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I'll leave the room. I said, don't even worry. I've done this too many times. I, just, I took my clothes off to get myself in this mess. Now I got to <laughs> My four babies. I love them. But, you know, my, my first child was 21 years ago. Wow. And I mm-hmm. never had pelvic floor care. Wow. So for 21 wow. years, I birth babies I've done what I've done and I've always battled with the one thread which is the bowel movement pressure you know when I have my menstrual cycle and I have pressure in my vagina and or like a tampon will go in and it'll come out because I'm like yeah uh what's how come I can't hold that right like it's crazy so you know you, you went in and you said, okay, and, and I'm going to tell you listeners and ladies who are, who are going, oh, well, I'm not doing this because she's got to do an internal. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, please reconsider because this isn't, it isn't like a pap exam. It's not a pap. This isn't like that. This isn't like that at all. It's. I want you to explain this because I was on the other side of it going, wow. Um, So when you go in, it was like you were just like, we're talking about the salad bowl. You were just, Mm -hmm. you were feeling for inconsistencies in the muscle tissue or like scarring and you would just push on it gently. And it was like, it would just go, Mm -hmm. like it was just releasing. 
Yeah. 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 So yeah, the internal piece is so important. And, you know, Lori, I will say I don't do an internal on everyone. You know, it really has to be clinically relevant. Right. So, you know, if we do the posture scan, we've got the most important task, you know, we look on the ultrasound, I might say, you know what, I think we've got enough information here. Right. I don't think we need to go internally. So I try to use that wisely and, and use it when it's, when it's clinically relevant. And obviously when the patient has consented and they have full knowledge of what we're doing, we update them the whole time. If you, you know, have any discomfort, then I need to know. And there's always that going back and forth and checking. Absolutely. So absolutely that, you know, that just has to be said. And so when we initially look at the pelvic floor, you know, we can actually tell a lot by even just looking. Yeah. So seeing what's the tissue looking like at yeah. rest, you know, yeah. is there good blood flow? Is there any vaginal atrophy? Um, is there any scar tissue, old scars here that I can see from a vaginal delivery in our, or an episiotomy? Um, at rest, are the muscles tight? Are they relaxed? Are they they, do they have increased laxity? You know, what happens when you cough or you sneeze? So for women who are feeling like, ooh, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that, let me just say that we can actually do a lot by not doing an internal. Right. But an internal is really handy when we're sort of thinking, okay, you're telling me this about your bowel movements. We saw this on the ultrasound. You know, an internal would really help to... Uh, confirm my hypothesis of what we're thinking is is going on with you. And three vaginal deliveries and a C-section, you know, I'm kind of thinking there may be some muscle imbalances. Maybe the right and the left sides of the pelvic floor are not working in symmetry. You know, maybe you've had a little bit of nerve damage or you've had some muscle tearing. So I really want to see is the continuity of that salad bowl intact or are you higher tone or tighter on your left versus your right? When you do a contraction, do we feel the back part of the pelvic floor lift up and pull in, which is really the contraction that we're looking for? Um, and then we can see the position of your organs. So fascial integrity. Um, is the bladder sitting down a little bit further? Where is the cervix? Where is the uterus? Um, where is the back part of the vaginal wall? Or is there any rectocele? So there's quite a bit that we're looking at. And so just gently sweeping from right to left sides and you're right, it's just like a salad bowl yeah. or when your finger is internally, it's almost like a clock face. So basically right. from 12 o'clock where the urethra is and six o'clock where the tailbone is. Right. And there's three levels of muscles uh, that we're looking at. And it's basically, you know, assessing all those muscles. Are there any deficits? What's your contraction like? How can you relax and can you bulge, which is how we assess prolapse. So that is often the most uncomfortable thing for people to do. And having been assessed internally myself, you know, someone asking me to relax my muscles, create some intra-abdominal pressure and push down. I mean, that's the last thing you want to do. But it is a really important piece to find out, okay, what does this tissue do under load? What happens if you lift something really heavy or you're coughing or you're sneezing or you're laughing? And we can assess that really nicely when we do an internal. And sometimes we'll even have people stand up because when you're lying down, you get one picture of what the pelvic floor is doing. When you stand up, you know, that's a completely different situation. So sometimes that can be really helpful too. 
Well, and and I know that all the things that you said, um, they're they're so true. And and like when you did the internal, um, I remember you just talking to me and telling me, okay, so I see a little bit of scar tissue here. And I had had my third child was um, post posterior. Oh yes. Yeah. Right. Right. So then again, that pressure on the rectum and the pressure, you know, in the perineum, it was really, really difficult. Um, And then, but we talked about, you know, sort of the letting go of Mm -hmm. letting go because you're in there and you said, you're so tense and you could feel, and that's the benefit of being able to just have an internal and to get a sense of that. Now you could probably get a sense, like you said, whether you're doing an internal or not, it it really is case specific. But for me, it was a message about my life. Yes. It was a message about my life. Yeah. And I think I told you that. And I am pretty sure I said, you mean in real life or right now? (laughs) You said, which would you prefer? I said, right now, please. I don't need to let go and anything else. And, and uh, we had a good laugh about that. And, but what you, you discovered and what you, you taught me in that small moment we were together, as you said, I need you to let go. I need you to start letting go. Your, your muscles are so tight. And I went, okay. And this is a real lesson for me. And you, you, you showed me how to like to be and to relax my pelvis and to not clench it. And it's clenched all the time. I didn't know that. And yes. so when you drew my attention to that and you said, nope, you're still not letting go more more and more. I let go. And I was like, oh, my goodness. That's what it feels like. And I will say, Lori, you have amazing body awareness. So sometimes learning to let go (laughs) takes a couple of sessions. And it's sometimes like meditation. Sometimes you're doing lots of breathing. But for you, with your background, it was just like, boom, you got it immediately. And so that impact was just fantastic to see. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know, we hold a lot in our muscle tissue. Yes. Right? 100%. And, and so then the whole art of letting go is another another story, another thing unto itself. But it it's if there is a case for holding emotions into our muscles, uh, that was a really good experience for me to realize that, you know, um, I was clenching. I was tightening and you showed me how to relax and it changed the way I evacuated my bowels. It changed a lot of things because there was some twisting in there a little bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and I remember Lori, when we got you standing again in another session, it was almost hard for your body to reorganize itself after that because, yeah. you know, we, I think we had kind of decided because of the posture and the positioning and, you know, previous trauma, obviously you were holding tension. Um, when we got you in standing, it was like, well, if I don't grip, like, what do I do? Yeah, I can't I no stand. Idea. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So then we really had to break it down. Okay. Can you unlock your knees? 
can you find center in your hips? You know, where where were your hips? Where's your pelvis? Where's your um, your chest wall or your thorax over your pelvis? And so, you know, that alone, just finding neutral alignment was, I think, a big reason um, that helped you stop gripping your pelvic floor because you you were compensating. You were trying to find support somewhere. Yes. And, and that was in your pelvic floor. And, and I was doing that yeah. both in my real life yeah. and in my body. And the, my life was telling my body and my body was responding to my life. And it was this cycle. And I walked out of there and my partner phoned me and he said, how did it go? And I said, well, I just, she just told me to let go. And he starts laughing. He's like, oh my gosh, Lori, how did that go for you? Oh <laughs> I said, my well, gosh, it was that- okay. Um, because, and I told Jeannie, who went to you as well, I said, you know, this age old thing of letting go came up. Here we are. And now I'm supposed to deal with this. And it just, I realized I was clenching and holding and I didn't know how to let go. And I believe too, as women in our lives, in the real world, some of us are struggling with letting go and we hold it, we're clenching. And it's when you relax that you realize it's not that bad. But like you said, you have to completely reorient yourself to what how to walk, how to live, how to be, um, and to have that awareness about, oh, I am clenching now. Relax. I'm clenching now. Okay, relax. Oh, yeah. And it can be so frustrating because your brain, um, it's familiar with that pattern. And so it is a little bit of motor retraining in terms of telling your brain, you know, hey, you know, that's not the strategy that we're going to use anymore. And this is the new and better strategy. Yeah. And it's it's hard to let go of those patterns sometimes. Yeah. And they sometimes come back. But for the most part, when you can start to recognize it and be aware of it and feel that in your body, then it's actually really easy to sort of say, oh, there I go again. Oh, there I go again. And then just keep keep reiterating that message. Absolutely. And, and I've been able to do that. You just, you woke me up a little bit. And I, and I want to thank you for that because that, oh, was really, that was really important. Anything else on the pelvic floor health mm-hmm. that we haven't talked about? Oh my goodness, Lori, there is so much we could talk about. But I think in terms of, you know, how we're approaching the body um, from a physio perspective, how we greet the patient, how we're finding out what's important to them, doing the assessment, um, you know, the, the brief Coles notes version of an internal assessment and ultrasound, you know, I think, I think that's probably covered that portion of it, but you know, we could do a whole session on diastasis rectus abdominis. We could talk about prolapse more, but I think, you know, we, we've sort of addressed what we're typically looking at um, postpartum and that period that stretches, you know, for the rest of the life. When do you recommend? So if I've had a baby when do you recommend coming in? Because, you know, after you have a baby, you don't want anybody touching you for a long time. You're like, oh, no, don't touch me. But but yes. it is really important. Yes. And so typically we'd like to see women maybe once or twice when they're pregnant. Okay. Ideally, that doesn't always happen. 
Um, but certainly six to eight weeks postpartum. And if they've, if you've seen your doctor and got the all clear to have an internal, then that's nice. Um, and if you haven't, that's okay. We can always do external things, but you know, kind of how we talked about, you know, a lot of women are feeling like that is a no fly zone and that like black box situation is really happening. And I think it's important to honor that and say, there's so much to work on postpartum from posture, tension release. You know, we can work with the ultrasound. I mean, there is bags of stuff to do. We don't, we don't need to go internal right away. So whether you come at six weeks or you come 10 years postpartum, it's never too late to come in. And honestly, you know, we can help you at any stage of the game. So ideally six to eight weeks, but you know, that's pretty, it's a pretty tough call. I mean, you're leaving the house, you've got to get childcare, you're bringing the baby with you. This is a huge stressor. So I think we see some women that come in that early, but I think for most people it's probably around the four month mark that they're feeling like, okay, I can make it out to this hour long appointment. You know, we're okay with a feeding program. Someone's going to take care of the baby or I feel okay letting them nap in the clinic. And, you know, so we have to figure out those things too. I want to talk about the next piece. The st- mm-hmm. the, I, I kind of broke it up into two phases, but I do want to talk um, about the rectum. I want to talk mm-hmm. about like um, rectal spasms, rectal strictures, prolapse, hemorrhoids, fissures. Um, I want to talk about that with you because I think there's, um, this is a very important conversation as well. Um, so, We'll, we'll probably put the show in two parts, as in part one would be about the vagina, and then the part two is going to be more about the rectum. Um, and so if you're, if you're listening and you don't want to listen anymore, um, then just, you know, we're going to start talking about the butt. <laughs> Perfect. You, <laughs> you say more. perfect and everybody goes, ew. Ew. What's that? Yuck. <laughs> but you know what? And that's the thing. And we've said this all along. You know, we've said this. There's a stigma attached to this. You're saying you have a bum. Everyone has one. Everyone has a rectum. Everyone has an anus. Yeah. And it just is. Like, this is not new information. Yes. And I think, I think that when we phrase it like that, it becomes, these areas become less supercharged with anxiety and the meaning of it becomes less intense when it's just, you know, we, we just need to have a bowel movement. It's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, let's just be grown up about it and, yeah. and, and deal with it if it's yeah. not working properly. Right. Right. So if someone were to have like, what is the anatomy of the rectum? Because in order to start talking about spasms and hemorrhoids and things like that, which happen after having children, you know, can you talk to me about the anatomy of that? Yeah, absolutely. So we have different parts of the colon, um, certainly where food gets processed further up the chain. But probably the most interesting part is sort of the end of the line and that's into the rectum and so we have different layers of muscle there we have smooth muscle which is regulated by our autonomic nervous system so the system that just runs in the background and is in charge of lots of very important functions and then we also have um 
sympathetic muscle fibers or muscle fibers that are under conscious control. So when we talk about stool coming into the rectum, the body is so amazing that we have these receptors, these stretch receptors that tell us when the rectum becomes distended, sends a little message to the brain. Oh, I've got a little bit of stool in the rectum. And not only um, can you typically feel if your if your bowel is healthy? Um, you can actually feel the quality of the stool when it comes into your rectum. So pay attention to that; it's really interesting. So your muscles can pick up if that's a loose stool, because that's typically harder to hold and more irritating to the bowel. And then that signal gets a little bit stronger to the brain, saying like, "Oh boy, we better get to the washroom." Well, quickly. if you're dancing. Yes. Dancing at one spot or you're like in the movie Bridesmaids where you just sit down in the street and you just, (laughs) and then it's just over. And then it's like, no one can help you now. You're done. You're embarrassed. It's your embarrassing story for your life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. It's all good. It's all good. Everyone's got one. Yeah. Everyone Um, does. Everyone has one. So, so the rectum is such a complicated and amazing part of the body when you think, how much our nervous system does for us at that really primal or autonomic level that we're just totally not aware of. Right. I think we often take it for granted. Right. So when something's not going right, it's really distressing. So, so typically we get the signal, um, stool comes into the rectum and typically when we get that urge, we should pretty much act on it fairly quickly. Um, Whereas with the bladder, we talk about different urge control techniques sometimes. But if the stool's in the rectum, you know, your body's telling you, okay, this is an optimal time for me to void my bowel. And so that's when your external anal sphincter, when you're in the appropriate location on in the washroom, that those muscles should relax and the levator ani muscles should relax to allow for the anal canal and the anal sphincter to open. So typically that happens, but sometimes it doesn't. And with you, Lori, I think there was some muscle imbalances going on there that made it harder for you to fully relax that sphincter. And so you were ending up with some issues there with, with your voiding and it can be really painful. You can get hemorrhoids. Um, you know, we shouldn't be having dysfunction there. So, so the, and then the autonomic nervous system or those smooth muscle fibers that are further up will actually just kind of squeeze gently and move the stool out of the rectum. Right. And yes. So we kind of have this, the background system and then our more aware system that will tighten the sphincter if it's not an appropriate time to avoid the bowel or can relax when it is appropriate. And those two little functions can cause a lot of havoc for people because avoiding your bowel is such a socially appropriate uh, thing where it's not always appropriate. Right. And so having that control is so important for yes. people. You know, um, patients who say like, wow, I really worry that if I let go of a little bit of gas, I'm not sure if that is stool or if that is gas. So when those receptors start to go a little bit haywire, people will often start to say that. And that's really concerning. Um, you're just trying to let go of a little bit of gas and then you actually have a little bit of an accident. So that's very distressing for folks. So well, just and, and if you can't that. feel it, even like yeah. there's some people that can't feel um, the, the stool coming in and that there's an, even an urge to go to the bathroom and then they just eliminate as well. 
Yes. So there's lots of different reasons why that can happen. And sometimes that's coming from the higher motor control centers. So say, for example, with um, say MS, for example, where the, the brain centers aren't functioning properly. And so those, those nerve fibers, those autonomic nerve fibers aren't actually working properly. So we, sometimes we don't have urge and it's because of those things that are going on. Or sometimes there's nerve damage locally and that will decrease urge. Um, sometimes there's been some trauma. So we have scar tissue or strictures. We, you were mentioning yeah. that. So it makes it hard for the smooth muscles to do their job. We, we call it peristalsis, which is basically just picture someone squeezing a flexible tube to allow the stool to come out. So if that if those areas can't optimally contract and relax via strictures or nerve damage or what have you, then it makes it difficult to have a bowel movement. What about if you have, um, so you have like a dairy intolerance or like colitis or some yes. sort of, if you have an intestinal um, issue or a health issue that results in, you know, there being rectal strictures, fissures, and those sorts of, and prolapse and all that, then like you have to sort of use, do you treat them together? And like, how, what, how does that work? Yeah. So if someone's coming in with some of those concerns and a fissure is a good example that, you know, they would need to be followed by um, a GI specialist because a fissure is actually a tear in yeah. the... Uh, the rectal canal. So that's where, you know, we're more concerned about letting that heal properly. And so where we work with that is again, relaxing muscles, making sure they're in an optimal voiding position to have a bowel movement easily. Can their muscles let go? What's their stool quality like so that it's nice and soft and easy to get out? Um, definitely with some of those other conditions you mentioned, like ulcerative colitis or IBS, oftentimes uh, I see people with a lot of abdominal pain and, you know, they're having these voiding difficulties and there's oftentimes an issue with the pelvic floor as a result of that. So the muscles are either too tight or we have muscle imbalances. Maybe we have tightness in the abdominal muscles as well. So it's basically all the same stuff. We're just really focusing on how they're having a bowel movement, but, you know, the muscle release, um, working on breathing strategies, toileting position. Um, sometimes we'll refer to other professionals like naturopaths to get the dietary stuff really dialed in because um, sometimes that can be a really important piece. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so anal fissures are, it's inside, like in the lining? Yeah, so imagine the rectum is just like a tube. So it would be actually a tear in the in tube the itself. Tube. And mm -hmm. and that heals. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it is probably ridiculously painful. And it's and it's hard to heal because you can imagine that your bowel is working pretty much all the time. Yeah. So it's pretty tough and it does sometimes take a while. Sometimes people need to be on medication as well to help that heal. Um, 
So really, you just think, what's the least amount of stress that I can put my pelvic floor in? And we really try to, you know, release any restrictions, just work on. So when you're releasing a restriction, what does that look like for you as a professional? Yeah, and it would just sort of depend, Lori, how they're coming in. Say, for example, um, you know, with a restriction, like imagine someone with an anal fissure, like how much pain they must be in. So glutes are tightened, tailbones tucked under, abdominal muscles are contracted, um, and then they're trying to void um, from a closed opening because there's pain and there's spasm. So it would basically just be you know, getting the pelvis in a more optimal open position, relaxing the hip muscles, working with um, maybe some belly massage, releasing the glute muscles. So that could be, you know, soft tissue techniques. It could be dry needling, but probably more, um, probably more soft tissue techniques if someone's in that much pain. You know, with an anal fissure, I wouldn't be doing an internal, um, but we can certainly sort of work externally. Can you actually go internally into the rectum and see if there's scar tissue in there? Yes. And then, and then what happens? Can, you can release it in the same manner? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just another canal. It's just a muscular canal. And um, actually through the rectum, you can get really good, really excellent muscle release and coccyx mobilizations are typically done through the rectum. And that can be really helpful if you've had a tailbone injury or maybe a fall in the pelvis, maybe a tailbone injury during a pregnancy or delivery. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I would say it's one that I don't do as often. Um, just knowing, you know, it's, I feel like, yeah, you have to be a, it has to be very clinically relevant. Let's just put it. Absolutely. Because it is like a, it is a very, yes, a sacred spot, right? Like people, it's just something about it. It, it just feels, it feels so vulnerable, but yet the person is in so much pain and, uh, you know, I've never had a fissure, but I know um, people that have it and they just say, it's like, you know, it's just so, so much pain. And so you're saying that the, some of the things that can contribute to that is if you're, if you're closed, you're kind of closed in because your pelt, um, your tailbone is pulled up rather than open. And you use the, your open, you want to open something that's closed. And I thought that was an interesting thing. So so there are exercises to open up that spot. There's exercises to open that. Okay. Yeah. It's almost like trying to open a closed door. I mean, imagine kind of banging on a door and yeah. the door just not opening. Right. Uh, and, and fissures, I, yeah, they can certainly happen as a result of having those postures or positions. But I would imagine with pain, imagine a, a, a dog that's scared and the tail tucks under. That's kind yes. of the position where, you know, when you're in pain in your pelvis, that's kind of the position that you take. Yeah. So hard to open and void properly when that's going on. Okay. And then for hemorrhoids, so this is one that, that I, I have struggled with. And, and like, so you're saying, you know, eating well, um, you know, and all of that. But sometimes that doesn't help. Sometimes it doesn't help. Yep. 
So, yep, so you can <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. So, you know, going back to looking at what are the pelvic floor muscles doing in terms of the rectum, doing maybe some rectal release around those muscles to really open up that back passage. So that those things are happening more automatically, kind of same thing that we did with your pelvic floor would be rectally releasing that area. So, so you could properly avoid, because yeah, if you, if you've, you have good stool quality, um, you know, you're doing all the right things, you're drinking enough water, but you're still ending up with hemorrhoids as a result of pressure on those veins in the rectum, you know, we still have to go back and look at, okay, so why is there that pressure? And then is that something muscularly? Is that happening due to positioning? Um, and then figure it out from there. Well, then if you're sitting all the time, right, then the gravity is pushing down into that space. So if they're, if it's not strong or right, like if it's long, as you would put it, because you, yeah. you're not using the word weak or um, that sort of the word to describe it. So you're using the word long. If the muscle is long in there, then does the, there's not a lot for it to hold. Like what creates the hemorrhoid and the dropping down? And it's just like the pain. If you have to push that back up inside, it's so hard. It's so, it's just not, it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, think of something that would create more pressure. So imagine, you know, sitting or standing or running. I mean, that typically shouldn't cause pressure issues. Squatting. Right. You know, even that, Lori, like, I think it would be honestly more bearing down. So imagine oh. you're constipated. Okay. Imagine you're pushing or straining to have that bowel movement. So imagine, yeah, more like constipation would probably cause that or um, not relaxing around that external anal sphincter. So just holding on, like just tightening. Oh, yeah. And then imagine trying to evacuate against a tightened external sphincter. Because for me, it was it was when you I could not. Uh, let go until you had to. That's why my case was relevant for an internal because you yes. actually had to help my muscles relax and let go of some of that scar tissue, let go of some of that pain in there. And there was a little bit of a torsion. So you had to kind of straighten that out. And once that happened, everything was different. Amazing. Yes. And so if someone doesn't have, um, um, you know, pelvic pain, but they are struggling with hemorrhoids, perhaps there's been, like you say, a trauma, an injury or, or whatever. And if there's a male listening, look, you know, we, you know, it's, it's the same for men. Yes. We have to get help. Right. Like no one should struggle with hemorrhoids. They hurt too much. Exactly. There's only exactly. so far that you can go with medication and inserting um, something in there to numb yeah. it or to, to you, know, you have to get to the root of the problem. And what you're addressing is the root of the problem, which is maybe maybe your back is out. Right. Could be any number of reasons. 
but getting to the root cause and then dealing with that and then changing the movement strategy, getting things in the right position so that they can kind of relax and let go if that's what's happening. Absolutely. We also talked about me spilling my guts, remember? Like the front, so the, the, like this, right? Like the banana. So for men and women, that's also a part of the, um, the, you know, anus and the rectum where there's problems because you're not even in the right position. Right, right, right. So for, that's a really good point, Lori. So when you're in that banana back, so if you can imagine the chest wall, being kind of behind the glutes yeah. and then the hips being kind of thrusted forward. Yeah, move forward. Like you're carrying a baby exactly. on the front. Like you're super pregnant or you're carrying a baby on the front. Yeah. And then your knees are hyperextended. So they're pushed back. And then what happens there is the abdominal wall is long. I liked how you use that word. Yes. It's lengthened. So we tend to get what's called a pressure belly. So you often see men and women walking around with this kind of little bit of a pooch in the lower tummy with that classic posture. And it's more that the body is kind of hanging out on, on the soft tissue. It's kind of hanging out on the ligaments. It's easy to stand that way, Yeah, but it also, it's not optimal for your abdominal muscles and your, and your pelvic floor. Right. And then how does that help with, hemorrhoids with that sort of thing like what does what that posture aids in sort of that slouching right yeah yeah so it's actually it'd be it's amazing to even try it so if you stand up and you lean back and put your pelvis forward and then try to do a pelvic floor contraction and compare that to standing upright with your sternum over your pubic bone and try to do a pelvic floor contraction. And you can feel the difference in the muscle effectiveness is totally different. The experience is totally different. So that's how it translates. It's just better. um, It's a better positioning for your muscles Mm. in order to be able to support your organs. Right. And so then if you have hemorrhoids, then it's because there's, there's a, the structure is not at its optimal. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a finding that we say okay, there's been a lot of pressure here, there's something not optimal that's happening. So so what is that? And then we kind of go on a little hunt and we try to right. figure out. It's also about if you are having diet sensitivities yes. and you're also not eating well. Well, that if that stool gets hard Oh yeah. Toast. So oftentimes it's just drink a big glass of water in the morning. Honestly, like yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of folks, um, we're not drinking enough water or sometimes a really simple fix, but if you've done all those things and you're still having, you know, then we need to look further. Okay. Rectal further. prolapse. So yeah. that's where like the rectum loses its attachments that keep it inside. Yeah. And it's actually really, really rare. So we don't really, I don't think I've seen a rectal prolapse ever. So we see rectoceles, which is a little bit different. That's when the back wall of the vagina is stretched. So then the rectum kind of bulges into the back wall of the vagina. But if it was a, a rectal prolapse, then the rectum tissue would actually be coming out of the anal sphincter. 
not very common. Wow. And, and I would imagine it's like turning inside out. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So it's kind of coming out, out. and in. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, there's treatment plans for that. You know what, Laurie? I think you'd probably be looking at a surgical um, intervention for that. I think definitely dealing with muscles that are in pain or that are in spasm, you know, strengthening to prepare for that. Absolutely. But um, you're probably more looking at a surgical um, correction. Um, rectal stricture? Yes. So that would be where you have um, a tightening area of scar tissue is the best way I can describe it. So if you imagine um, any any like bad scar that you've had, yeah. how yeah. there's like kind of that whiteness to yeah. it, yeah. it kind of sometimes puckers Mm -hmm. a stricture can be like that so it's it's a real narrowing of the rectal canal and that's typically due to some type of trauma that has caused um scar tissue to build up and so it's it's a real narrowing of the the rectal opening it can happen further in you know it can kind of happen anywhere along the rectum okay and then is that because of the same thing that we're talking about, like the posture and that sort of thing, or is it just based on scar tissue? And then what happens? Like, so can it happen a rectal stricture after you've had a baby or during the birthing process? Typically not. Okay. Um, typically we're looking at someone who's having some sort of voiding dysfunction with their bowel. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes maybe they've had a surgery in the bowel that has then caused scar tissue to form. So that's typically when it's happening. So again, not as common to see Mm -hmm. that, um, but certainly it does happen. Right. And that could cause rectal spasming too, right? Because 100%. 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're, again, it's kind of that closed opening and then day after day, you're trying to push the stool through this opening. Um, and so some people do, you know, scar tissue release. Sometimes people use it, do a dilation technique. Um, sometimes that's done under general anesthesia Mm -hmm. actually to dilate the muscles. Okay. Okay. But Mm -hmm. all of this, most of this, other than the, the prolapse, um, you can assist this, uh, this, if you're, if you're looking at this, you have this, there is a way to, uh, alleviate some of the pain from this by finding out how the body works and what your strategy is. Like you seem so, you're just so casual about it. And it's such a, and that's what is amazing to me is because like a fissure or a hemorrhoid or a stricture, those things hurt and your life is over. Like you're just like, I'm out. I can't move. I can't do anything. I can't lay. I can't stand. I can't sit, whatever. And you're like, no, that's okay. We'll help you. Yeah. And you know what, Laurie, it's always so funny when we, when we think about like, say you, you, uh, strained your back and you were in bed and you were in so much pain and you couldn't do anything. You wouldn't hesitate to go see a physio or a chiro or your health professional. But when it's to do with your rectum, it's like, ah, no one can see me. And you close off. Yeah. But I mean, we do the same thing just for, for those, for those muscles and dealing with, 
you know, the nervous system and the trauma that the body has gone through and just the, you know, the way that the body is processing pain. And sometimes people will have, um, you know, a surgical something done to, to help, but we also need to then retrain the muscles afterward and deal with scar tissue. So there's always something that we can help with along the way. Well, um, this has been great. Oh, thank you. Like this, I was, I was looking to the new year to go. This is a great, I was very excited. I mean, I was oh, me too. thrilled to have this conversation because there are so many, I really think this is scratching the surface. Yeah. Right. Like we can't get to all of the, uh, drill down into all of the areas today. I feel like we did pretty well. I think we, <laughs> think we covered a lot. We did so much in this yeah. time. And I don't believe we squandered it one second here. And, um, you know, we, we got to have you back on so that we Absolutely. can really, uh, you know, hone in on and drill down into some of these things. Is there anything that you just want to encourage someone with that may be struggling with one or more of these things that we've talked about today? You know what, Lori? I think I would just say um, whatever you're worried about or dealing with, um, however that has showed up and whatever complaint that you have, there's something that, that someone can do to help you. And whether that's your pelvic floor therapist or whether that's another physio, um, you know, I just think so many people just sort of brush these issues under the rug and they're really troubling and they can be very um, just tough on someone over, you know, 10 years, Laura, you were dealing with this and you, you, you never saw someone. So I think, I think when people come in and they see how, how quickly and how easily we can really start to deal with some issues, um, you know, oftentimes we've got a box of tissues and we use those tissues because it's just like that relief. And I think that, you know, the more that the message gets out there, that there's help, I think, yeah, as much as we could disseminate that, that would be my last note. Yes. And and I would say that for those women who are suffering, who have had children, who are thinking that they are the only ones yeah. who... <laughs> You're not, I promise. You're, and I promise you, because I apparently... <laughs> am uh, using my platform well I'll tell you this is like I I did think about this and I thought this is vulnerable for me and you've been so amazing but and so upfront it's so yeah, awesome you know and but it's vulnerable for me and I'm willing to take the risk I know that we have to talk about this and the driver for me is my own family my daughter is 10. My, my oldest daughter is 21. You know, they're not anywhere near, you know, um, dealing with children or anything like that. But when they are, I need them to know that I gave them as much information as they possibly can have. That yeah. we are empowering men and women that are teenagers. What can you expect if you've got pelvic, if you are not pooing well as a young man or woman, you need to go yes. and see somebody. It's yes. like just 
it there's a message in that. So thank you for being your wonderful, beautiful self. And you make it easy to have a conversation because I can just see this as your joy. It's mm-hmm. something that you appreciate and you like doing and you're invested in the human condition. You're invested in the strategy of the mm-hmm. human body. And and when you started using that word, I was like, it is a strategy. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, because it's now become a strategy for me. I literally had never thought about letting go of my pelvis before. Until that day, I was like, now I'll look at my girls and I'll say, hey, and they'll be like, oh, mm. and everybody nice. starts to like unwind. It's, it's yeah. awesome. So yeah, we're, we're, we're learning every day and we're using the people around us to get information and become empowered in our own lives. And this is all about choosing ourselves. So let's give ourselves yeah. that moment to choose us as busy mothers. And you know this, Christy. Yeah. Being a mama is no joke. It's, a- <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing and awesome, but You're it's like- busy. So you really have to put aside that time for yourself. Yeah, you said earlier, you know, if you if you know, six to eight weeks, four four months in is when people really want to begin to start to 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 um be thinking about their pelvic health. And you said, you know, some moms, you know, their babies, they have to nap and they have to do things and and it's also about picking the time. And sometimes it's not, it's not easy, but your clinic, that doesn't matter. It's like you are there for people. So if, if baby's having a bad day, it's oh, okay. yeah, it's okay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we've all been there. We know, you know, we're well-versed <laughs> with that at the clinic. So, you know, it's, it's very accepting and, you know, if it doesn't work that day, then, you know, we can make it happen another time. So there's always that flexibility and yeah, yeah, we just want people to be seen whatever point along the journey it is. I love that. And, and you're saying it's seen as in come and visit us and I'm interpreting it as we see you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think you get that sense when you come into the clinic. I mean, I it's do. a really nice environment and, you know, it's, it's a good, it has good energy if I can put it that way. It does. Yeah. It does. And, and if you have, if you have rectal issues, if that's what's manifesting itself in your life and hemorrhoids and fissures and strictures and, and, um, spasms, yep. we see you. And there are people that can help you and can begin to help your life feel different. Um, And so that is the goal. That's the message. So thank you. Thank you, Lori. I'm so pleased to have done this with you today. It's been so wonderful. Oh, I know. And I'm sorry it's long. I mean, we just were... We just went through the list. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm shocked. I can't believe it. I think, I think it's fantastic. Yes. And thank you for I being... I to many more. Yes. Well, that's it. Thank you for being uh, open to more because I know people are going to want more of this. So oh, thank you so good. much and have a great rest of your day. Oh, thank you, Lori. You too. Okay. Talk to you soon.